Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktena, and today we'll be looking at how the gold standard of relationships is not longevity, nor is the goal necessarily to learn a lesson. Rather, they are meant to empower us to live our most authentic lives through interconnection, relating, and actual partnership. We humans are social animals, which means a significant part of our beingness is defined by our ability to interconnect with others and how we achieve this. We experience the process as trying to find a partner or the one, looking for our tribe, seeking to fit in, learning lessons with intimate partners, getting married, getting divorced, building a life in a community, leaving a life behind, creating a career, switching careers, retiring, and so on. Each relationship we have is an ongoing conversation or negotiation of our personal power in interconnection with another human being. Often, these unspoken, unobserved power dynamics are actual wounds being healed through difficult relationships or the lessons being learned through what seems to be a string of failed relationships, marriages, or both. The ideal perfect relationship would be one in which the two partners are equal, value each other in equal measure in ways which are appropriate to the needs of the beloved and who seek through open-hearted, conscious communication to understand the other in order to continually improve the relationship. Thus, each is empowering themselves while at the same time empowering the other. This is often what is meant in wedding vows, where the couple commit to being their best selves and supporting the other in becoming all they can be both in the relationship and outside it. Unfortunately, or fortunately, absolutely no one is perfect. Each of us is on our own path of healing, growing, maturing, and becoming. Our partners may be and often are at a different point in the becoming process, which can cause things to be awkward even if the connection is positive. Relationships can be one means for helping us foster our growth or, on the other hand, to suppress and even avoid it. Relationships can be about using our power to move forward and unfold or to prevent change by keeping things absolutely still or repetitive like Groundhog's Day. This means while it's not uncommon for people to have various types of empowering relationships or to fall in and out of them depending on circumstances, there are a fair amount of relationships which have less supportive empowering dynamics. Contrary to common wisdom in the spiritual community, relationships aren't necessarily designed to teach us lessons. Their primary purpose isn't to be one more classroom we have to navigate. They don't need to be a means to an end, nor do they need to be karmic, deeply spiritual, or the key which unlocks our path in life. Relationships can be the way we create a home and a life we deserve. Rather than be a challenge, they can be the support we need so we can meet all the other challenges we face in the world. They can be sweet, 
light, and joyful, are rich, tapestried, and strong. They can be short or long, committed or casual, and everything in between. Life is experiential, so entering into a relationship with another person is going to cause us to learn and become automatically. This is part of the attraction we have in the romantic phase. We're learning much in the same way we did as infants, taking in every little detail with wonder as if we're a sponge, while at the same time feeling the intimate joy of being fully seen and loved for who we are. In the next phase, we tease people about all the slightly uncomfortable learning we do when we get closer or move in with the other person. There will be behaviors of our beloved which are different from our own, or annoying, or awkward, and we need to learn to adjust, as do they. However, relationships are best known for holding up a mirror to us. They reflect back to us who we are, warts and all, and challenge us to be different. This can happen in positive ways, which in no way implies they are gentle or licked on by kittens. Even positive change can be dramatic, alchemical, and revolutionary. Change is hard. And hard is hard. So, good, bad, or indifferent, having to go through the transformation of self we call growth, using relationship as the catalyst, is not for the faint of heart. These changes can also happen in neutral or negative ways. The fastest way to find out who you truly are is to be put in a difficult, challenging, or even dangerous situation. These liminal moments strip away all of the social niceties, the things we have done to protect ourselves or others, the excuses, and the rationalizations. This is why it's called the naked truth, because these are times we're exposed, if only to ourselves. But however the journey we end up discovering new things about ourselves. Engaging with these discoveries, whether to accept or deny them, transforms us and moves us forward in our becoming. This is what most people mean when they talk about what I learned from a given relationship, mostly after it's ended. It's the silver lining to the situation, or the redeeming factor in what otherwise might seem pointless or destructive. In a relationship where both partners are doing their best to be healthy for themselves, for their significant other, and for the unique entity which comes to be known as we, or us, there is a rhythm to living which is very much like walking. Each person in the relationship can be thought of as a foot. Hence, in any given season, on any given day even, one will be moving forward while the other stays rooted, providing stability and balance. This is most easily seen in situations where one partner is working on or going through a promotion, a change in identity like completing a degree, or living a military life where they're stationed at one base and then another. One partner puts out effort to move forward, to make change, to create a new aspect of themselves, while the other remains firmly as they are in order to provide stability. In these situations, we think of their partner as having to help out by keeping everything else going. The partner who is moving forward needs to focus on this, and the other needs to take care of all the daily details and keep the home fires lit. Once the situation is resolved, once the movement has stopped and the person has at last begun to acclimate to this new change in their identity, then the other partner can lift up 
and begin to move forward while the first plants themselves in this new aspect of life. This, of course, brings to mind the Charlie Brown, Lucy, and the football reality of all the times in the past 75 years where spouses have given up promising careers, decided to stay home instead of work, supported their spouse, only to be dumped, divorced, or told decades of, not yet, just a little bit longer, were a lie. All of which are examples of good plans gone awry and how nothing is guaranteed or even certain. However, it also points out why couples who are actually good for each other can sometimes struggle. While one is excited about a new opportunity, a new direction in their life, new insights or enlightenment, and wants their partner's buy-in and even participation, the other looks at them skeptically, asks all kinds of probing and unnerving questions, refuses to participate while at the same time supporting their partner's efforts, and creates a separate but equal household. This can seem like they're holding things back, trying to keep things from moving forward, being stubborn or negative, but instead can be signs they're doing their job, keeping things stable, being firm in their support, keeping the foot firmly on the ground so the forward motion of the other foot doesn't cause the couple to stumble, fall, and injure themselves or others. Once the first partner is grounded in their new life, the other will start coming around becoming more flexible, open, accepting, and willing to try or even join in, while at the same time starting to move forward themselves with their own unfolding. Some relationships are meant for very specific purposes, which do not have long-term components. Like a hammer and chisel applied to stone, they're meant to cut away what is no longer necessary in order to expose the form underneath. Most people think of this in terms of what they're meant to learn from the relationship, which they thought would be one thing and turned out to be something else entirely. However, some relationships are like a workout, which is preparing us for a marathon or the Olympics. They aren't the goal themselves. They're a means to an end. They can be hard, sometimes amazingly unpleasant, but they help us to become who we need to be in order to achieve our goals. They teach us to be better, help us learn lessons about ourselves in the world, encourage us to look at things in new, clearer, and more complex ways. They show us how to do things differently for better results and spur us to be more than we ever thought we could or would. Some relationships are solely to bring children into the world. The soul wanting to come into embodiment wants the genetics, which will be included in the combining of their parents, but their life plan doesn't include both parents being in a long-term relationship. It's not uncommon for children to be born into a partnership they know will not and should not be long-term. For these children, the dissolving of their parents' relationship can be like the breaking open of a seed or nut, providing a wealth of lessons, opportunities, and connections from which they will create their own path. There are also relationships which are workhorses, They're the structure in which both partners create their adult lives. They support and are molded by careers, children, family, and friends. They make a stable place for everyone to live and thrive throughout the adult years. However, at eldership, which can arrive at retirement, at the empty nest, or even before, they no longer serve. Things which were quirks or just the way things work during the adult years 
become challenges in eldership. Partners who have been stable and holding things together now need to move forward, but find their significant other refusing to allow any change. Partners who have been in movement but doing so for all the wrong reasons in all the wrong ways while ignoring their own personal work go into midlife crisis. Expectations and assumptions which crept into the relationship explode upon coming to light. Paths which seem twined together forever are discovered to have been diverging for decades, and now the gap is becoming too large to cross. What this points out is the gold standard of relationships isn't about longevity, but instead about interconnection, relating, and actual partnership. Healthy, intimate partners are equals. This doesn't mean they're healed and while they have their shit together, this points to the fact they still have shit they have to deal with. Intimate partners relate to each other. They consciously choose to do this, although this comes and goes depending on the day and the moment. They communicate both verbally and physically, and most of the time their words and actions match up. They may make mistakes. They own them, eventually. They enjoy each other's company, ask for what they want, and enjoy being with each other, again, depending on the day. Unhealthy partnerships create negative interactions on a variety of levels. They can leave one partner financially dependent, which means they can feel unwilling or unable to assert their desires or opinions in any aspect of the relationship, including sexually. It's not unusual for one partner to be needy in some way, such as having drug or alcohol addictions, being codependent, unwilling to take responsibility for their emotional needs, or demanding that their partner be fully responsible for them as if they were one more child in the family. One partner can shut off all relating and try to make this the fault of the other, or use this behavior as leverage to get what they want. And of course, there are narcissists and abusers who use relationship ties and connections to set up a mark for targeted abuse. Often, these relationships seem like a partnership of equals at first, and it can be difficult to discern where things begin to go wrong. It's not uncommon for the unhealthy party to make efforts to keep their partner from realizing things are going wrong through manipulation and gaslighting. The way to know whether a relationship is healthy or not, whether it's headed in the right direction or not, is both the simplest thing and the hardest. Say no. In an unhealthy relationship, this will get a very negative response, one which is usually truthful and clear. You're not allowed to say no. You don't have any power in this situation. You are an, insert negative descriptor here, and then there will be a list of reasons why it's logical for you to say yes. The most common remedy for these situations is to back away. It's nearly impossible to see things clearly in a dysfunctional relationship, and often the partner is, consciously or unconsciously, working to keep things confusing and misdirected. Stepping back, even from the things you feel are working, allows your own power to heal and regather, lets the dust settle and the beginnings of clarity to emerge. In a healthy relationship, when your partner asks something of you and you say no, they will usually say, oh, okay, and probably ask why sooner rather than later. In asking, 
They are offering a means to open up honest conversation where they want to know your opinion, value you as a person, and want to know how to participate in your life in a better way. This allows for you to discuss the fact you're checking in with the relationship and are glad things are healthy and progressing in a good way. What is key to this process is relating to each other, a bit like being on one of those old-fashioned scales with two plates. Even though neither partner has their thumbs on the scale, the two sides don't stand still. They adjust first this one and then that one, always in movement, but in the moving, they create a healthy equilibrium. This doesn't require the partners to be in full agreement, experience joy in every moment, or be joined at the hip. Life is too rich and people too complex for such a thing. It's in the relating, the joining of two transformational beings in the process of becoming, that magic comes into being and what was improbable becomes possible. One of the easiest ways to think about all this is to imagine working with clay. If you're working to center the clay, but it's being pulled in all directions, being stolen out of your hands before you can work with it, or constantly flattened before you can finish, then it's time to step away from the table and take a good hard look at what is really going on. A healthy relationship should be like making a pot or a vase. You're the center, and things might be spinning around so fast they're a blur, but your center never wavers, and things grow and change and become around and because of you, until something beautiful has formed. This can seem dramatic, as it's a transformation, but the difficult bits happen quickly, in short bursts, and most of the process just flows. Relationships are an ongoing conversation or negotiation of our personal power in interconnection with another. While we may think we don't have any, we absolutely do. And one of the most important lessons we'll learn in embodied life is how to wield it and ourselves with gentle grace. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can see all my other offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.